0: Thank you for listening to Christ Church Showman's. This is Jared Sparks, one of the pastors at Christchurch Carbondale. We want to thank you so much for listening, as Ransom said, my son. And we ultimately hope that these are God-honoring. And because they are God-honoring, we hope that they are also edifying and encouraging and challenging to you in the best sort of way. Thanks so much for listening. I'm always glad when the mic works the first time because it's embarrassing. When it doesn't, but it's even more embarrassing when you have an electronics degree, and then you can't get the mic to work. It's, it's just not really a good thing. So I'm so, so thankful to be able to, to come up here this morning and, and talk about Romans and, and preach through the Word this morning, and I just I've just so much enjoyed walking through this book together. We've been able to be here since June, and it has just been a joy to hear uh, Jared and the other elders Uh, Just just preach what the Word of God says and just give us all the things that we see within the book of Romans. It's been so helpful in unpacking uh, how we we don't have to seek the law to gain salvation in Christ. We don't have to to do the things that the law says in order for God to be pleased by us. We get to just rest in Him and He gives this to us as a gift. Last week, Jared went over uh, Romans 8, verses 1 through 4. And it was just a, so, so much of a helpful passage. And I hope that as you were around this week, as you were doing the things that you do each week, that I hope that you found comfort in that. Let them have no condemnation. That's a, a verse that, that uh, throughout my life has, has been impactful. Many times I've struggled with, with guilt and shame from, from my actions and my sins and just, just how the scriptures tell us. And God tells us, have no condemnation. This is the work that Christ has done for you just such a helpful, helpful word. In verse 4, we saw that, that Christians have been given the Spirit. And, it, and we, this is important because it goes right into the verses we're going to talk about today. That, that God has given us the Spirit. If you are in Christ, then God has given us the Spirit. And so we're able to then obey the law not because of our own actions, not because we're doing the things that God has told us because we want God to say, oh, I'm happy with him, or, or yeah, I'm now I'm, I love him more. We're not trying to earn God's favor, but we get to obey God. We get to follow his commands because he's given us the Spirit. So we don't, we don't work to achieve the gaining of the Spirit, but we're given the Spirit. So we have no room to boast in that. We have no room to, to say, look at me, I have the Spirit, when, when God graciously gives him to us. You know, I've been in, in many evangelical churches in my life. I was raised up in church. I, mean, I think the Sunday after I was born, I was already in church. And anytime the doors were open to the church, my family was there. So I've been in lots of church circles. And, and because of that, I've been around a lot of church conversations, let's just say. Um, and so I hear about, about what a Christian is. I hear about what it means to be a Christian. And, and so we see that there are types of people, and the Scriptures tell us there's types of people but a lot of times in our Christian circles, and in these circles I've been in the past, it's, they, they portray that there's three types of people. That there's the non-Christian, okay, the person who is just sold out and, and against God. None of their lives portray that they, they want to know God. Uh, they never placed their faith in Jesus. They don't trust in the finished work of Christ. They do the things that are of the world. They, they do the things that, that give them pleasure. That, that's the non-Christian. Then we hear about how Sometimes it's called the sold-out Christian, right? The Christian who, they just define Christianity. They, they're in the Word. They, they want to be in the Word. They want to gather with God's people. They're the ones that are at Christian events. If you turn on their radio in their car, they have Christian music playing. They just, they, everything about them is funneled through the lens of Christ, and they want to, to know Christ more. But, but sometimes there's another type that I hear in church circles, and it's maybe the Sunday Christian it's also called the nominal Christian. It used to be called the carnal Christian. And it's this, this third type of person that it's kind of hard to, to picture, but it's someone who, who who maybe they've they've portrayed some sort of, of Christian ideals. Maybe they've maybe they've prayed a prayer because someone told them that they should say these words. Maybe they've they've walked down an aisle at some point in their life. But, but their lives were never changed. And so we, we we talk about this third type of person who who maybe makes a profession for Christ, or maybe was raised in a Christian home, or has done these things, but their lives do not portray Christ. And so, what we see is that we have these conversations and we have these things, but but the reality is, in the scriptures show us that there's only two types of people. There's not a third category for someone who who professes Christ but doesn't have the Spirit. Jared talked about that last week. But we, there's no third class of person for someone who says, "I'm a Christian." But yet their lives never changed. Their actions haven't changed from the inside out. And so I think as we see our, our text today, Paul is just going to be uh, smashing the idea that there's this third type of person who just, who just hasn't grown in the faith. Now don't, don't miss what I'm saying. Don't, don't think that if you're in a, in a spot where you, you have grown and maybe you're, just, you're in a tough spot, that doesn't mean you're not a Christian, but the person who has just never exhibited any growth. That's not a third type of person. And so we're going to see that in Romans 8 today. We're going to be in Romans 8. We're going to start in verse 5, and we're going to eventually get through uh, verse 11. And I I think that we're going to see that that there are only two types of people, those that know Jesus as their Savior and those that do not, those that have received the Spirit and those who have not. Before we read the text this morning, would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for, for bringing each and every person here today, Lord. Lord, not to not to hear me or not to hear any other, any other person, Lord, but, but to listen and hear from the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you have your way in this place, that you open up our hearts. Lord, I pray that you break down any walls or barriers we've put up to the Gospel this morning. Lord, I pray that you... Would you speak to us? Would you reveal yourself to us? Would you reveal our sinfulness to us, Lord? And would you send the Spirit to do mighty works in our hearts? Lord, I pray that uh, as I'm speaking that, that you you speak through me and make the words that I say your words. Lord, I pray that you are glorified in anything that happens today. Jesus, now I pray. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and begin, and we are in Romans chapter 8, and we are going to begin in verse 5, and we're going to, we're going to read verses 5 through 8 first, and then we'll, we'll come back through that. Starting in verse 5, the word says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If if you've read Romans 8 before, and if you've been in church for any amount of time, I'm going to assume that you, you probably have. Romans 8 has this overarching theme of an assurance for the believer. It's, it's a remarkable chapter in the Bible, and it's a, a text that, that many people go back to time and time again for assurance, for comfort. Uh, even the passage last week was had this theme of, of being comforted by the Word of God and him, and him teaching us and assuring us of our faith. And that theme is continued this week uh, as we go through, uh, continue through chapter 8. See, we see in these first these first set of verses, Paul's giving this side-by-side comparison <clears throat> excuse me, of what it means to be a Christian, what it is to, to trust in Jesus, and what it means to, to not be a Christian, someone who has not placed their faith in Jesus. And so and what we're going to do today is we're just kind of going to walk through these two views. We're going we're gonna to see the picture that Paul is painting for us of what a non-Christian looks like, and then, when, and then he also wants to see the difference of what a Christian looks like. He wants us to see these two types. So Christians can be assured, and so we can also examine ourselves. And so with that said, I think as we, as we walk through these texts, I think there's some kind of lenses that we need to look at these texts with. I think there's some things we need to have in the back of our minds. So as we're viewing these texts, we look at them rightly. And the first one I kind of already mentioned is, if we look at 2 Corinthians 13.5, the text says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? So this there's a biblical mandate for examining yourself. We, we should, as Christians, or as individuals, as, as people, look deep inside our soul, deep inside ourselves, and, and not, not base anything off of experiences, but look at what has in, happened in our heart and say, Am I a Christian? Do I know Jesus as my Savior? Has there been a change from within me that has then went to the outside of me? And so we want to look at these texts with that lens. And then also another one that I've already mentioned is that Romans 8 is assurance, but only assurance for the believer. It's only assurance for the person who has placed their faith in Jesus. And so at times when we we talk about texts and and it may seem dark, it may seem kind of odd, Remember, this is assurance for the believer. It's so we can be lifted up by that. We're going to walk through them one at a time. And so the, the, first, the first type that we're going to look at is, is the non-Christian. This is someone who, who, is, who has not placed their faith in Jesus. They've not received the Spirit. And so we, we see that Paul gives a, a very detailed description of what the non-Christian looks like. If you look back at me with verse 5 says, for those who live according to the flesh, living according to the flesh, what Paul writes is, is someone who is, who is living uh, with their natural desires. They're living according to their natural ways. They're living a life of sin. The sin is ruling their life. Uh, it doesn't, flesh here is not talking about just the physical outside body. So those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. So they set their mind on things. Is this, is this doing that? There was some noises. Did you guys not hear the noises? It's just me. Okay. We'll just keep going. So, the, so the non-Christian sets their minds on things of the flesh. So it's their thinking. It's their it's, it's their mindset. Everything that involves what they do, every action they do, everything that they think about, every every passion they have, every desire they have, is set according to the flesh. It's set on things. That, that do not honor God, set on things that are not focused on God. Now, this doesn't mean that their thinking and their mindset is as corrupt as possible, right? We, we also talk about the common grace of God. And so not, not all non-Christians, their thinking is, is corrupt in nature, it is sinful, it is, it is towards the flesh, but, it, but it's not as corrupt as it could be. You know, God's common grace comes in and still restrains evil in this world, but, but the thinking and the mindset of a non-believer is according to the flesh, the things that they do. And a lot of times it's not uh, in so much of, of just this mass evil that we see, but it's the thing of, of they want to please themselves. When, when they think about what to do and, and how to do these things, and how should I act, how should I behave, the, the the filter that runs through that is, is what's best for me? How do I do what's best for myself? How do I go after m- me? How do I secure what's mine? And so it's, it's a selfishness and, and it's, it leads to pride, and it's, it comes eventually. This thinking that is of the flesh. In verse six, we see the state of, of a non-Christian. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. He doesn't mince words, does he? The non-Christian, the state of the non-Christian, to set their mind on the flesh to do, to go after sinful things is death. Is death. Now it doesn't mean that if, if if there's a non-Christian that that they're physically dead, right? We're not going to hundreds of funerals a day, but they are in a state of death. They're as good as dead. We think of back to the Garden of Eden, how how Adam was. They were promised that they would die if they ate the fruit, and they didn't. They didn't die immediately, but they they did die in the sense that their bodies would eventually die. But yet also that their, their state died. Their, their ability to choose life died. Their ability to do things that please God died inside them. And, and so the things that they produce lead to death. The things that they produce are not pleasing to God. They're, they are as good as death. And we see that they don't have the, even have the ability to do, produce things that give life. They don't have the ability to do things that uh, are fruitful. About verse 7. In verse 7, we see their relation to God. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. And I think this point goes hand in hand with, with the first one of thinking, uh, is that they're hostile to God. When they're, when they're choosing things that are, that are on them, they're choosing things that uh, only please themselves. It's completely contrary to what God wants. It's completely contrary to what God wants them to do. And so they're always hostile to God. When God says this, you, you need to obey this way, their flesh says, no, I don't have to do that. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to live like you've said. I want to do it Do it this way. So that it's not going to, to have a lifestyle that is, that is pleasing to God. It's not going to be a lifestyle that that is, is following the commands of the Lord. It's going to be walking in the ways of the flesh. And we see that really when it comes down to it, when their relationship to God is, is they don't have a relationship with God. Because they're hostile to God, it's really a form of idolatry. That Paul wants us to see that when, you, when you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping yourself. You're worshiping something other than God, and so you are hostile to God. That you cannot submit to the things that God has given us. You cannot submit to the ways of the Lord. Now, what's it look like when someone's approaching God's law in this way? And I think that we've seen this all throughout Romans. And we've seen it multiple times before. Sometimes it's that person who says, when God says that you need to behave in this way, you need to live your life according to this way. These are the laws that I've commanded you. These are the commands that I've given you to provide life. That person sees those laws. They kind of stick their nose up at it and says, you can't tell me what to do. You, you can't tell me how to live my life. That, you don't know what's right for me. Right? And so they just kind of stick their nose up to God and say, that's not me. You may think that's right for me. You may think this is going to give me joy. You may think this is good, but I know what's better. And so they do what their flesh tells them to do. They, they do the things that, that their natural desires lead them to, and it's sin. But we have a, another group of people who, who say, okay, this is God's law. This is what God says we should do. And so instead of sticking their nose up at it, what they do is they, they try to use the law to gain God's approval. They try to use the law so that they'll be okay in God's eyes. And so this person may be a pretty moral person. They may be doing some things and outward actions that look good on the surface level. But the problem is, is their heart's not been changed. There's been no change on the inside. And so their actions are are not from the inside out. They're just behavioral modification. They're just moral things because they're trying to gain God's approval. And God's not pleased by that. We and cannot, we cannot get to God by changing our actions. Nothing we do, no, no amount of good works is ever going to have God look down to us and say, Oh, you're you're good. You're you're a good person. I was wrong about you. You're okay, you come on in. We don't we don't get to gain access to God's presence because of our works. And so we're hostile to God. And we we do not have the ability to submit to God's all. Even if we're doing good works that look good to the outside people, we don't have a heart that is actually submitting to God. We're still hostile towards Him. Look at verse 8 with me. The final thing about the the non-believer, someone who hasn't placed their faith in Jesus, is is their condition. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We've kind of already hit this uh, multiple times, but but just the the reality that Paul wants to smash any idea that we may have, any idea that we may be holding on to right now, that, that we can change our behavior, we can change certain actions, and that's going to be okay. That's going to be enough to grant us access to God's presence. Paul wants that idea completely smashed. We cannot do it on our own. There's nothing we can do on our own to, to please God. We have Nothing we can do that's going to take away our sins. There's no actions we can do that's going to take the wrath of God. Nothing. The only thing that can do that is Jesus stepping in for us. And Paul is is just very clear in saying, this is what a non-Christian looks like. This this is what someone who who is a non-Christian looks like. They have not been changed by Jesus. They have a heart that is contrary to God. They're hostile towards him. They do not love and submit to God. We're going to come back to some of this in a little bit. But but let's just contrast that here in a little bit with, what does the Christian look like? Remember, there's only two types of people. There's the the Christian, the non-Christian, the believer, the non-believer. whatever whatever label you're comfortable using. So what is someone who who loves Jesus? What do they like? Let's look at verse 5 again. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So someone who who is in the flesh does their own desires, their own mindset is, is to choose sin, to choose themselves but we see someone who's been saved from the inside out, someone who is God has, has rescued from that sin, we see that, that they've been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is within them, and because the Holy Spirit's in them and they have been changed from the, heart, the inside out, they're able to choose God. They're able to choose things that are pleasing to God. They're able to, to have a mindset that, that denies themselves and puts others first and puts God first. The mindset of a Christian is, is completely different. And there has to be that change in mindset for, for a person to be, to be a Christian. There has to be some sort of change within them. And so their natural desires change. Their natural tendencies, their natural ways that they walk change. It may be a, it may be a gradual change for some people. Some, some sins that we hold on to, they don't, we don't, sometimes we don't drop them easily. But our natural desire is to do things that, that our Father approves of. Our natural desire is to do the things that, that Jesus has shown us that we should do. And so the, the thinking and desires that we have as a Christian are completely different. The scriptures tells us it's going to be that like that. Hebrews 10:16 declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts. I will write them on their minds. The things of God, the things that, that please God, the things that, that God tells us, this is if you if you do this, it's going to give life. If you do these things, you're going to receive joy. Those things are written now on our heart. God has secured them on our lives. And so we know the things that are of the Spirit. We know the things that God wants us to do. And we have the Spirit constantly telling us those things, constantly saying, you need to choose this way. This is the way for for righteousness. This is the way that's going to please God. So we can choose to do the things that, that are good in the eyes of the Lord. Now, as I, as I say that, as I read that, as I read that this week and studying, I thought, oh, there's just no way we can perfectly do that. There's just no way, if I look back at even this week, that I perfectly achieved that. If I'm being honest, even this morning, I didn't perfectly achieve that. There was some yelling at kids going on in, in our home this morning who didn't please God. Maybe you know what Sunday mornings are like with young kids. It's not the easiest thing in the world. So, so we, we look at our lives and we see that we're not, we're not all perfect at this. But if we look, the overarching desires of our heart, the overarching desires that we have and the mindset that we have is to please God, is to do the things that God has commanded us to, even though we don't perfectly do that. And when we fail, because we will, when we don't do the things that the Lord has commanded, the Spirit is there to convict us. I, I so appreciated last week Jared mentioning the difference between conviction and condemnation. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen to that message. It was so helpful, so, so helpful to know the differences. So when, we, when we're when we trying to feel condemnation because of our sin, sin that's been paid for, sin that's been atoned for, or when, or when the Spirit's trying to whisper in our ears and saying, you're off the path. You, you've chosen something that is not of God. You need to come back. You need to repent. You need to come back to the ways of the Lord. So helpful. Remember the, the theme of assurance is going through... Um, all of these passages. Let's continue on. Verse 6. See the state of a Christian. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Man, the, the contrast that Paul is painting here. He, he's, he's, he's putting them side by side, and he's, he's putting them on there, and, and you have these, these pictures that, how could you choose? How could you choose death? over life and peace. How could you choose hostility towards God, towards peace with God? So we have to see those pictures. We have to see what Paul is telling us, and so so we see them in the correct light. There is such a stark contrast between death and hostility. Instead of our works being dead, instead of our works being, being contrary to God, instead of our works being something that is against a holy God, we have the ability because of the Spirit to do works that are pleasing to our Father. We have the ability to do works that, that give life, that, that speak uh, things about God that are righteous and are holy. We, we have the ability to not sin. and we only have those abilities because of what God has done first in us. Instead of our lives being marked with hostility toward God, we are able to have peace with God. Now I'm not a fighter. Garrett, I'm not a fighter. So I, I'm the guy that kind of runs from a fight. And in, in grade school, I was supposed to get in a fight with a kid. And I spent the whole rest of the day trying to make friends with the kid. Because I would have got, got beat down. And it wouldn't have mattered how big he was. I would have got beat down. I was, I was the smallest kid in my class for, for years. And so just not a fighter. Just, just not so, I, so I get the fact of not wanting to be hostile to something and wanting peace. So that, that's what we get as Christians. As believers, we get the ability to, to not have to fight that. that uh, we don't have, we don't have to, to have that hostility towards God. We don't have to, to be choosing things constantly that are indirect in God's face. We get to choose things that, are, that give us peace with God, that we get to be in the presence of God. And he gets to look down at us and say, that's my child. It's my child that I love. I gave my, I gave my son for that child. We get to have peace with God. Now sometimes, as Christians, we, we, get, we have the ability to, to gloss over these verses. We have the ability just to say, uh, okay, yeah, that the, the flesh is this, the flesh is this. Yeah, we're good. We have the ability just to, to kind of see it and just keep going to the next verses. I mean, look what's next in Romans 8. Heirs with Christ, future glory, God's everlasting love. These, these great, massive, monumental passages are coming up in, in Romans 8 so we can read these passages and think, I'm good. I, I, I know what it means to be in the flesh. I'm, I'm good. And so but as Christians, we, we need to chew on this. We need to evaluate. We need to examine ourselves as, as we've already seen in the book of Hebrews. Or not Hebrews, 2 Corinthians, I think. So we need to, we need to do these things. We need to, to look carefully at what the Scriptures are telling us. What, why is Paul telling us? Why is he painting this picture for us? The truth is that sometimes as a Christian, and we've already talked some about this, but sometimes as a Christian, that we have temptations. We have temptations to, to, to drift back into the things of the flesh. Oh, how I wish that wasn't true. I wish, I wish, and I wish I wish that, that wasn't the case. But the, the reality is, is we still have a sin nature. We still have a nature of sin inside of us. And so at times Even though the Holy Spirit's in us and the Holy Spirit's telling us how to choose life, how to do things that are righteous, how to do things that are going to please God, you and I both say, no. I'm going to choose this today. At this moment, I'm going to choose myself again. I'm going to choose this thing. God, I know what's best for my life. I'm going to choose this. I want to scream at my kid this morning. God, I, I want to do this thing. And so we fall back into this, this ability to go back into the flesh, even though we know the pictures, we know what flesh leads to, we don't know, know what what the the life of a believer leads to. Sometimes we still choose to sin. And so, so Paul is, is is simply asking us here to examine ourselves. First, look at those pictures, examine those selves, and, and see who you are. But but Christian, examine yourself to see: Are you drifting into any of those areas? Are there areas of your life where where you're you're giving in to the flesh, where you're you you have that battle within you because you're a believer and the Spirit's saying this, but you're you're saying no. You're giving in to the battle that's raging inside of you. If you are, the Scriptures are asking you to repent. Remember, there's no condemnation. Christ has already atoned for that sin. He's already paid the price for the sins that we've committed. Repent and turn back to Him. Repent and, and go back to the works that give life. Repent and go back to the things that, that are pleasing to God. Repent and listen to the Spirit and get back onto the path that the Spirit has us on. Maybe you've, you've heard these passages and you've evaluated yourself and, and you say you looked at your actions, you looked at your desires, you looked at your mindset, and the reality is, is that some of, some in here may have looked at that and said, my mindset's on the flesh, completely. There's not a point in my life where I can see where I, I really wanted to be with God. There's not a point in my life where, where I, I, I had that inside-out change in my life, and, and I, I had these desires for good. I had these desires to please God. I had these desires to, to be with other people, be with other Christians. There's never been a time in my life when, when that happened in my life. If that's you, if, if if you've heard these passages and you've, you've seen the description of what it means to be in the flesh, maybe the thing that's for you to do today is to repent of your sins and turn to Christ. Maybe you need to have Christ in your life. You need to accept Christ as your Savior. You need to accept the gift of salvation that He's given you. And I, I know that type of invitation is usually given at the end of a message. It's usually given at the close. But it's here in this text that, that That Paul is asking us to answer that question before we go on. Before we go on to the next verse, Paul wants every single person that is reading this to know for sure who they are. He wants to know, which type are you? Are you in the flesh, or are you in the spirit? So, so my prayer is that you are wrestling with that right now. My prayer is that that if you are here and you're in the flesh, that, that God is pounding on your heart so bad that by the end of the service you won't be able to sit. You'll need to tell someone about that. Let's continue on and see what what he has for us. Verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So Paul's already given the the compare and contrast. He said, "This is what a Christian is. This is what a this is what a non-Christian is." He's already put those in front of us and says, "Who are you?" So as he gets to here, he he kind of ch- he kind of changes gears a little bit and kind of kind of points them and says, "But you, you are in the Spirit. This is a personal thing." This is a personal thing that, that God has died for our sins. Christ has died for our sins and has paid for each and every sin that we've committed. So there can be no condemnation. And so Paul is, is getting very personal here. Those of you who have evaluated, you've examined yourself, you know you're in Christ. You know that you, are, you have been bought with a price, that you've been given the Spirit. You is who he's talking to in these pers- in these passages And so we start to talk about what a Christian is. is, What's the marks of someone who who knows Jesus? And so we're just going to kind of see in these three verses some some quick things about about what it, some more things, I guess, about what it means to be a Christian. What are are the marks? What are the traits? What do we see here from Paul about a Christian? Look at me in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. We see something about our past here. We see something about what, what God has done in our past. See, if you are a Christian in here, if you are a believer, if you've, if you've been saved by the blood of Christ, then, then this should look familiar. That, that list that we gave earlier about what a non-Christian is, that's all of us. That is, that is the, the past for every single one of us. Every single one of us was that person. So when we look at that list, we, we, we don't want to gloss over that list. We want that list to bring thankfulness to our hearts. We want to see that list about how we used to choose death, how we were hostile towards God, how we could not submit to God's law, how we chose things that, that led to death, and that was us. That was, that was who we were when Christ, sent, when Christ was sent to the cross to die for our sins. That's who we were when God came in and said, I'm going to save you. You are mine. You are my child. That should lead to nothing but joy in our hearts. That should lead to thankfulness. And, it, and it, as Jared said last week, and it should never lead to boastful. That should, we have nothing to boast on. We didn't do anything. God came in and saved us, He came in and gave us a new heart. He wrote, he wrote his laws on our heart. He gave us a new mindset, and he gave us the Spirit. This should, be, this should lead to so much joy in our lives. We should have uh, so much joy because of the things we're, we're now able to do that we couldn't do before. So many things that we, we get to be at peace with God that we were not able to be at before. And ultimately, as we look back at our past and we have this testimony, we have this message to share, ultimately, we, we should want to share that message with other people as we look back at what God has done in our lives, this should lead us to say, man, this is so amazing what God's done in my life. I cannot believe what God did for me. I cannot believe that Christ would save me. I can't believe that he would take me from death and bring me to life. Who do I need to share about this? Who needs to know about this? And I think as we look back at our our testimony, that's what it should lead to. That's what what our passion should lead to is for us wanting to share that with others. Let's keep going in verse 10. But if Christ is in you, so currently Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So the, he's kind of shifted from our past to our present now, continuing on this, this, this theme of, of what God has done in our lives, but what God is continuing to do in our lives. We, we, we're not just saved one day to, to sit on a shelf. Remember, there's there's no... There's no third type of individual who who prayed a prayer and and is set for life. There's just the Christian. The Christians have been bought with the blood of Christ that has been set in service to him, that has been set on a path towards godliness, towards the things of of God. So we're not stuck doing the things of death anymore. We're not stuck doing the things that are our flesh. We're not stuck doing these tendencies that, that lead towards ourselves and selfishness and idolatry. We're able then to choose life. We're able to do things that, that give life because of the spirit that's within us. And we get to do things for the glory of God. As we think about raising our kids, we get to raise our kids for the glory of God. We get to teach them the Bible. We get to teach them about what, what God has done in our lives and what he wants to do in their lives. We don't, we don't look at something some, you know raising our kids and, and think, I, I want to teach them God's law because I want them to have good behaviors. I want them to be good, moral kids. No, we, we see them fail. We see them, and we get to teach them that that's sin. and they're, they're sinners, and we're sinners, and then they need Jesus in their lives. They need a Savior because of their sin. We get to, we get to work jobs. We get to work jobs where we get to give glory to God. We get to work hard. We, we get to do these things. We get to talk with our neighbors we get to speak life into so many conversations. So many people in this world have, have so much hurt going on, so much suffering. We get to be a source of life in our communities. We get to, to be around people. And when they, when they are talking about how their marriages are falling apart and, and they're, su- they're having this hard time with this and that, and, and, and we may know what that's like. We may be able to say, man, that's hard. I know exactly where you're at. I, I understand what you're going through. Let me tell you about this Jesus guy. Let me tell you about how I used to struggle with that thing. I used to do those things that you're doing. I used to want those things too. Those were my desires. Let me me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you what God did in my life. And so presently, we get to speak life and other things. Presently, we get to be at peace with God. Presently, we get to live our lives for the glory of God. And I think as we, as we walk those things out, as we continue in this way, what we're going to find is, is that that's where we receive joy. As we're doing the things that the Spirit is leading us towards, as we're doing the things that God has shown us, we're going to ultimately see joy in those things. And not like happiness, like, like I, I hit a home run, although that is awesome if you ever hit one, but like real deep down joy that no one can take from you. A joy that is, that is unknown by the rest of the world. Let's continue on. Verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Because we have the spirit, because we've been changed from inside out, we have a future. We have a glorious future. A future that we, that we don't deserve. A future that we didn't do something to attain. But we know that our, our physical bodies are, are going to die. I think the death rate of humans is still 100%. Uh, full humans, not ones that have deity. So all of humans are, are still going to die. Our, our bodies still have the flesh curse. Our bodies still have the this, this sinful state. They're going to die. But But Christ is... Is, is, is saying that we have a, a new promise, that we have a promise of something greater after death. You know, sometimes, as we, as we fight these battles with sin, we, we have these wrestles with sin. We have these wrestles with just daily life, and we think, sometimes it's hard. There are bad things going on. There are terrible things going on. Uh, someone on my Facebook list just yesterday talked about the death of, of, of their child that they at 20 weeks. There's terrible, terrible things happening in this world that is that's plagued by sin. There are, there are struggles that, that even sometimes we don't even understand and, and struggles that, that we can't even relate to other people with. As we, as we battle sin in our lives, as this temptation comes up within us and, and tempts us to sin, and we're, and we're wrestling with the Spirit and trying to, to do things that, that, that the Spirit's showing us to do, and we, and we fight that battle, and sometimes it doesn't feel like it's worth it. Paul here is saying that it's worth it. That these struggles are gonna to come to an end. All all the things that, that we are struggling with on earth, this, this temptation to sin, this temptation to do things that aren't gonna please God, that's gonna end. That Christ is going to raise us with him, and we are going to be we are going to be raised in newness of life with him, uh, even bodily. And so there will be no more temptation to sin. There will be no more hurt and pain, there will be no more struggling. With, with who we are in those aspects. So Paul, Paul gives us this glorious picture of, of, what, of who we are in Christ, of who we are because of what God has done for us. So the question is, is, is what are we going to do with it? I think we've, we've hit on several application things already, but, but as, we, as we think about the things that God has done for us, as we think about, about who the, the non-Christian is, is we have to be aware of who we are. We have to continually examine our hearts, continually examine if there's areas of our life where, where we've, we're drifting back into sin, where we've, maybe we've given up the fight of some temptation in our life. Maybe, we, maybe we've been fighting the sinful battle and we've just said, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to sin. I'm just going to do this thing. It's just so much easier to give in. Let's examine ourselves. If, we, if we've done that, remember what that picture is, the picture of death and hostility towards God. A picture where there's no peace ever, there's no joy, there's no life. If we're Christians, we need to. If we see that in our life, we need to repent of that. We need to choose to to go to go back to to the Spirit. We need to ask for forgiveness of, of where we've done that, and we know that our sins are paid for already. If we if we're looking at these lists and we say, we look at what a Christian is, the marks of a Christian. If we see that, we say, that's not me. There's none of that describes me. I, I don't, I don't seek to to see life in situations. I don't, I don't seek to, to please God in, in my work environment. I don't seek to please God in my life. There, there's, I don't see a time when when, when God's done a work in my heart. I don't see a time where where God has has revealed Himself to me as Savior and Lord. If that's you, then then the offer that we talked about earlier is still on the table. Offer to repent of your sins and turn to Christ. Paul wants us to have assurance. Paul wants us to, to look at these passages as, as we read the passages of, of, of death and of, of sin and of fleshly desires. Paul wants us to see those passages and he wants us to glorify God because of what God's done in our life. He doesn't want us to see those as, as passages of, of just to gloss over. He wants us to be assured of who we are in Christ. He wants us to be assured that Christ has saved us, that Christ has done a work in our hearts and that we are secured in him and that we're going to be raised again with him. And so I want you to have that assurance today. As you're hearing these words, maybe for the first time, I want you to be assured that you are in Christ. I want you to be assured that you have the spirit within you, that you know that whatever to happen right now, that you know you're secure in Christ, that you have been given the spirit If you're not, if that's not you, if you don't have that assurance, if you have questions, if you have doubts, if you know that you're in the flesh right now, then the offer that we see all throughout Scripture is is to come to Jesus. Repent of your sins and come to Him. So the conclusion that Paul has for us is, which type are you? Who are you in this passage? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in my heart this week through this passage. Lord, you have revealed sins in my own life. You've revealed ways that, that I've deviated from your path, ways that I've, I've chosen in my own self to do things that do not glorify you. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us here as we, as we hear these words, that we don't just hear them and dismiss them. We don't let them just pass through our minds. Lord, I pray that we respond to them. Spirit, I pray that you are working in each and every heart right now, Lord, revealing sin, convicting Christians of ways that we've deviated from the path. Lord, I pray that you are are working on hearts and breaking down barriers of those who are are still holding on to the flesh. Lord, maybe they they know that that's them. Maybe they know that that they have not come to Christ as Savior. Lord, would would you make today be the day? Would you have today be the day where you fully reveal and fully have your way in their lives. Lord, I pray that you were glorified in this service so far. I pray you continue to be glorified in everything else that happens. Lord, help us to have a thankful heart and a heart that praises you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.